0: Wow, that's a great thing. I totally agree with that. Here's a tiny different opinion that's sort of like a counterpoint, but not really. ha <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's just awesome, the things that you were saying.
1: Welcome back to the Laravel Podcast. It's another week of uh, me and two guys joining and talking just about what's going on in the world of Laravel and what we're learning, what we're working on. So my name's Matt and I'm your host. Guys, introduce yourselves.
2: I am Jeffrey Way,
1: and I'm Taylor Outwell. So this week we're focusing a little bit on some front end stuff, um, uh, high level stuff that's going on. Taylor and I recently got back from ZenCon where we uh, spoke to some folks about Laravel along with Adam Wadd and a couple other folks. Uh, who are a little bit outside of the Laravel world normally. So we had some really good conversations there. I met some good people. Um, But this week, we're focusing more on some of the front-end stuff that's been going on. So Vue 1.0 is... And you guys will have to tell me, because I'm the noob of of Vue. Is it released or almost released? What's the status right now? It's out. It's out, and I'm loving it. Oh, man. So we want to hear about all that. We're also going to talk about Flexbox. And if we have some time, I might talk about some things that we were talking about at ZenCon about uh, acceptance tests acceptance test driven development so for starters Vue 1.0 before we jump into what's amazing about it uh i think a lot of people kind of like have kind of gotten the burden of oh there's yet another framework but it's seeming like Vue is not just another framework you know angular kind of has its ups and downs ember i feel like has been more in the rails world um and react is kind of almost like a different space so can we give like a high level introduction to where Vue fits in the space between Angular, Ember, React and any, and Backbone or whatever?
0: I feel like Vue is JavaScript for the rest of us, so to speak. Like it's JavaScript for um, it's a very approachable JavaScript framework that is very well documented, easy to understand, fast to develop with. And you don't have to sink, like, a lot of time into getting started with it in the sense that you can actually just drop a script tag down at the bottom of your application, make a little view application, and start playing with it in, like, you know, five minutes. It's not something you have to install, like, a CLI tool for, or any kind of, like, a JSX transformer with React or anything like that. It's really quick to get started with.
2: But, I, I mean, the truth is, it is another JavaScript framework, and there's so many of them, and... Um... I don't know. It's hard. Java, the JavaScript world's really intimidating because they do just kind of keep one-upping each other. But uh, I think it's starting to normalize a little bit. And Vue is definitely the newcomer. I would bet the farm that next year it's going to be just massive. Um, I would bet a lot of money on that, in fact. Uh, I, I, it's one of those things you just try, you need to try to use all of them, or not all of them, but the, the big ones. You know, you can try out React, try out Vue. Ang- Angular and Vue feels pretty similar in in many ways. Vue was inspired by Angular. In fact, the guy who made Vue uh, worked for Google at one point. So you can see some similarities, but I think Vue takes the simplicity to even a- another level where everything just sort of makes sense. It's one of those things where like, you always have a smile on your face when you realize, wow, this is like the easiest thing in the world. You find with, with um, basic JavaScript tasks... It's really complicated. Even I I was doing a a video for Laracast today just showing the old way you would do it, where it's like, um, let's say you want to display a little error message underneath an input if you haven't typed anything in, right? Just basic stuff. With regular JavaScript, you end up having to, like, attach an event listener to the input, and then on key down, you check its value, and then you update, um, you you perform some kind of query to update HTML, and it's like, oh, my God, this is the most basic task in the world, and it ends up taking a long time, right? With Vue, it couldn't be simpler, you know? So that's why I like it. It just makes sense. Uh, so I, I've i been
1: very, very sad that I haven't been on any projects that have allowed me to try out Vue. And when we were at ZenCon, we were taking a look at it, and I just said, screw it. There's this project I, I created a long time ago called Confomo, and it was in Knockout, and it didn't have a true REST API. So I said, I'm going to actually redo it from scratch, and I might talk about that a little bit more. So I have just have gotten a week of just digging really shallowly into Vue. And the perspective I have as someone who's more front-end oriented, so I've got a lot of experience writing JavaScript. I love JavaScript, but less experience with Vue. The things that I've noticed is that it definitely has a little bit of an Angular flavor to it. But some of the things in terms of Angular that frustrate me the most in terms of some of its rigidity and its expectation that it's going to be a single-page app for everything um don't exist in view i think view and i was telling telling one of our developers well if you should imp- if you're going to implement this single on page component not a single page app just a single you know interactive component here's how i would structure you know the javascript and there'd be you know the data would live here and the binding would be there and then i thought about it i was like oh that's exactly how view structures it but view would just make it way easier for you and it would be consistent across all the components and i realized that like in a way that none of the others have provided with me uh, the way I write JavaScript is represented in Vue, but of course Vue just makes it easier, better, faster, more extensible, all that kind of stuff. I think it's just a more kind of natural way of thinking for me. I don't know if that's there's an easy way to put a thumb on that other than it just feels different, I think, working in it. Uh, Angular, in theory, was really good. We've, we still do Angular, but I never feel good when I'm writing Angular code. I never feel like my brain is kind of like really grokking it the way I want it to. So. Okay, so what's new in Vue 1.0? What's exciting about it?
2: Probably one of the bigger things is the new, um, what is it, the the data binding syntax. So there's like a new shorthand. So let's say you want, let's say like when a user clicks on a button, you want to listen for that and call a method. Before 1.0, you would do, you would write this directive called v on, and then within it's hard to explain in your html you would add a custom element that says v on and then within quotes you'd say like on click call this method now you can just type the at symbol and then the word click so that would go directly in your html and it ends up actually being really nice so like let's say you want to listen for when a form is submitted in your form tag you would just write at symbol submit equals the method you want to call and then on your your view model you would just create a method and you're done. It's really easy stuff. And when you do it that way, you get all of, the, um, all of that event handling, all that registration and the listeners, all of that is out of your JavaScript. And it's just nested within your view, it's invisible. You never have to worry about that stuff. So it ends up making the actual JavaScript you write that much cleaner, because you're not doing all that, that boring work, uh, especially uh, just all of it. it. It simplifies your code dramatically.
0: Yeah, I love the things Jeffrey is saying. And also, I would add one of the best features for 1.0 for me is the V else. Uh, I guess it would be called a directive, maybe. But basically, a lot of times, say you have a little button and it says add task to use the new um, Bell quick start terminology. And when you click add task, you want it to change to adding or something with like a little spinner icon. So like how I did that previously before 1.0 was I'd have to write, you know, like div V if. Task form is not adding, then show add task. And then I have to write another div v if if it is adding, then show the spinner. But now I can just write if it's adding, and then below that, a v else to handle the else case. Um, so it, I don't have to duplicate like the inverse of if statements all the time, which I was having to do a lot before 1.0. Uh, and I also had to do that a lot in Angular. So just being able to say v if and v else is like. So that's one of those little features that saves you so much headache.
1: So I was telling some folks about um, Vue, and, it, and I was saying it's kind of maybe somewhere between Angular and React in that, like, there's some of the elements of uh, the old school kind of like on-click type things in your HTML um, and then I was seeing some stuff I, I think when you guys were showing some code where you're actually able to put a component all together in one file is that a thing in 1.0? Oh uh,
2: yeah I mean that that was the cool thing about React is like if you were building using that task, act, task app example with React you could create custom components so you could have like Uh, an HTML tag called to do and then within there would be the task Uh, you could have task app as a tag and so you you prepare everything as like a series of custom components and then they get put together and it just works which is really nice with Vue, you can do the exact same thing so um, I I think it accomplishes it in a slightly different way but it works just the same but what's cool is like you can do that if you want if you don't want to do that you can ignore that part. It's totally up to you how you how you build up your app. And then like you were saying, if you're building a single page app, Vue is great. There's a router for it. That'll just work. Uh, if you're not, if you're building something a little more traditional where you just want to sprinkle in uh some javascript that works too you know you can you can manually create your components like you could create a component for a specific page like a view specific component and then you have that be your wrapper in um in your main view file and it'll work you know so it's up to you how you structure things
0: one thing i always struggled with with angular was And this probably sounds, you know, so easy to Angular developers, but I felt like it had some nebulous terms that I never really understood. Like, for example, uh, Angular services, Angular modules. I, I still do not really know the difference between a module and a service in Angular. And then, of course, it had directives and controllers as well. But I feel like with Vue, like it's slimmed down to the point where you just basically have components, filters, and directives. And mainly you're only working with components, I would say, most of the time. And then you can write input, filters, and then like custom HTML directives. But for me, it's just easier to grok the whole component thing rather than try to split everything up into services and modules, which I feel like those are really nebulous words anyway. Um, so when you have multiple nebulous words in one library, it sort of gets confusing in a hurry.
1: Um, so one of the things that I like is the the flexibility, and Jeffrey, you just mentioned this. Uh, that's kind of awesome. I, I have a little different opinion here. The flexibility to do single-page apps with the router, which would mean, like for anyone who's not familiar with this, when you're using a JavaScript single-page app, that means you're actually on the same HTML page. Um, the the JavaScript app is changing the content, and then it's using something called push date to um, actually change the URL. Or if it's an older school one, it might just be using hash changes. It's actually not changing it. But it's probably using push date. Um, and then if somebody reloads the page later, um, that will get sent. Then the new URL will still get sent to that same JavaScript page, and it'll say, oh, this is this new URL. This is the data I'm supposed to serve. I don't... I, I'm not saying I'm 100% against those, but if I can get the benefits of one of these modern JavaScript frameworks without using their router, I'd much prefer it. So to me, what you end up doing most of the time is you end up using Rails routing or, in our context, Laravel routing, and then all that Laravel route does is basically like set the framework for the page and then say, here's the name of the component, for example, that I want you p- that you know, this is the about page component, and then that component has its own templates, its own views, all that kind of stuff. So first of all, are there any patterns other than that? Um, have you guys been using it where you have maybe 75% of your com- uh, your content's just normal HTML and you just have some view, you know, com- little components on the page? And then the second question is, if you're giving data to those components, do you ever um, encode that data as like JSON on the page in the view? Or do you always have that data being pulled by view uh, through like an API, a REST API or something?
2: Uh, to your last question, I do both. So like there's some situations where uh, when the when the component initializes, it'll make an AJAX request and get the data. But there's other times too where I will just pass through the data in my blade file. So I have, um, what is it? I have a bunch of components. I have one, I think it's an avatar. It just displays the user's avatar and it needs to know like the user or the user's email address to, to display. So I just pass that through as a a, a custom property and that's it I, and then i within within the the quotes i would just use the blade syntax to echo out whatever the data you need there and I, that's fine in plenty of situations so again it just kind of comes down to um how you want to structure things what I, what i'm doing for laracast it's not an spa but i do for all the pages that need it i have like a main view component so like everything within i don't know the the, the main forum conversations page would be wrapped within a component called I don't know, form view or something like that. And then any of the data necessary for that will go in there, but then you can have more components. So like if you click on a button within the forum and that displays a modal, well, that's actually a modal component that I've created. So it's just like CSS where you, um, you know, if you're doing modern CSS where you, you build up all of these various components and then you piece them together, uh, when you add your class names, it's kind of the exact same thing for JavaScript. So you can you can build up a, a, a label component or an alert component and a modal component, and then you just put those together.
1: Um, Taylor, have you done any pages where um, the the majority of the page, uh, and it's a little bit like the kind of same thing, the majority of the page is one thing, um, but you have just single individual components, or are you using, because the main stuff that I've seen from you are your ZenCon app and then the, um, what's it called, the Spark stuff. So it's the whole page and even a little bit of the routing, if you think of the different elements of the tabs as being different pages. Uh, Is that more how you think of it? Um, Or do you end up doing the single individual components as well?
0: So what I've been doing so far is I'll have one main view instance on basically the body of my blade layout, like for every page. And that's sort of my root view instance. And I use that to retrieve data that is like common across all pages. So usually that's going to be like the current user that's logged in of the application. And then um, let's pretend we're talking about forge. If I was doing forge and view, that main view out would probably pull like the listing of the servers. That's in that top navigation dropdown of all your servers, because that's displayed on every single page. And then every kind of sub page, like for example a uh, kind of a server detail page that would be a component that is nested under that root component one of the the things i'm still kind of like trying to figure out with Vue that i don't really have settled in my head is how do i want to maintain like state between these components and i know this is like a big discussion in javascript which i'm just really kind of diving into but what i've been doing so far is say when the main view instance pulls the user i raise an event called user retrieved and then the child components listen to that and set their user based on that whatever's passed in that event. And if the child component wants to update some of that data, I don't actually update it in the child. I'll bubble up an event like um, please update user. And the the main view instance at the top level will catch that update the user and then rebubble the user retrieved event back down. Um, so I haven't really run into any problems with that yet. Although I feel like since not everyone else in JavaScript is doing that, maybe I'm doing something wrong, but it's kind of been working so far. Um, as we're talking about how
1: pages differ, uh, it kind of brought to my mind the the PJAX stuff. Um, and Jeffrey, I want to ask you in a second to talk about that, but I haven't had the opportunity since I was traveling to kind of read and watch what you've been doing with that. So for a quick high-level introduction, then then you can correct me if I'm wrong, PJAX is a Rails concept where uh, when you're doing nav- uh, navigation between one page and another in Rails, uh, a JavaScript sends a Pjax request to Rails and just says, hey, give me the actual normally Rails rendered page of some other page, but only give me within this particular element of the DOM, like the body or the the container or whatever. And then the JavaScript, the Pjax component or the JavaScript component of the Pjax then just replaces the current page. So it's this weird kind of combination of single page apps, but it's being Really, it's it's actually just a normal, you know, spitting out HTML app that's just convenience assembled by some JavaScript. Is that a general idea, good idea? And can you tell me about kind of what you've been thinking about with that recently?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's very interesting. It's a good middle ground. So, um, okay, imagine that you have just the most basic like five page website where you have like the about page and the mission statement page, you know, that thing where like it's basically the same site other than the body that goes into the main area. Well, every time you click on a new page, you would do a full post back to the server, right? With PJAX, you wouldn't do that. With PJAX, you would make an AJAX request to the server. The server would return to you only the portion of the HTML that needs to be updated. So the server will return like the HTML, and then PJAX will take that return uh, HTML and insert it into your main container div. And that's what PJAX does. So I'm sorry, then of course it updates the, the address bar as well. So what's nice about this is like you're not dealing with push state or anything weird like that. Every page will automatically work because at the end of the day, like let's say you click on the contact page. Okay, it submits to the server, gets the the portion of the HTML, inserts it into the main content area. If you were to hit uh, command R to refresh the page, you're just loading the contact page, and it works exactly the way it does before. So you, you don't have to deal with some of the... I don't know. I I I've never built a full SPA before. I've I've gotten close, but it's not the most enjoyable thing to me. Uh, it, it feels awkward it, dealing with like sometimes duplicate information uh, on the client side, and then the server side feels weird. So I don't know about Pjax. I'm I'm still toying around with it. Uh, I'm I'm using it. For the redesign of Laracast, it feels good. There's a few quirks I need to figure out. but um, And for example, Basecamp uses. They don't use Pjax specifically, but if you've uh, heard of Turbolinks, it's the, the same basic concept. Oh, and on that note, Pjax is just a jQuery plugin. So you just pull that in. It's a JavaScript library. You're good to go. I think I'd maybe gotten a
1: Pjax and Turbolinks names mixed up because I uh, Turbolinks was when I was first exposed to it. So
2: Yeah, sort um. of the same concept.
1: And actually, as you said that, it kind of kind of came to my mind to realize that it's 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 definitely further in the HTML direction because there's no actual JavaScript generation of your content. It's really basically a convenience and speed method on top of just a normal HTML site versus being like uh, actually connected to SPAs. So that makes sense,
2: right? Oh, and we should say some people might say, "What is the benefit to that?" The benefit to that is. You load your, your assets and your scripts and your images. Well, maybe not the images. But you load your assets and your scripts once. And then every time you click on a new navigation link, uh, you don't have to refetch that stuff. And usually that ends up taking a lot of time. So you just fetch the updated HTML, insert it into the DOM, and you're done. You know, So it makes your site feel very, very fast. Surprisingly fast, actually. About as fast as an SPA, which is nice.
1: Um, so uh – I know we're excited about Vue. Uh, One of the things that I wanted to to give us a chance to talk about are what things have been difficult. And I know with 1.0, it's probably fixing a lot of the difficult things. Uh, Taylor, one of the things I heard you talk about was there may be at least, I mean, it seems like you have a good solution, but there there seems to not be a baked-in solution yet for handling maybe concurrency of data across varying kind of levels of the component hierarchy. I don't know. It's probably not the right words for Vue, right? But just kind of like when you've got data like a user or something else that is persisted and retrieved in different places, you got to do a little bit of manual work to sync it across the different layers. Is that a pain point, or is it kind of like, eh, it's not that much of a thing? And are there other pain points you guys have run into?
0: Well, that's I wouldn't call it necessarily a pain point. It's as a JavaScript newbie, I feel like I would have appreciated more guidance or whatever. Um, but as I've grown comfortable with JavaScript, is sort of... Um, I'm feeling more comfortable just exploring my own ways of maintaining state. So I, I I'm not really experiencing a lot of pain because of it. The one other thing I would change about view and still would change even in 1.0 um, is their event system. They have two methods for broadcasting events, uh, dispatch and broadcast. And one of them goes up the view um, chain and one of them goes down. So like if you have nested components, One of those methods, and I can never remember which, and I can't even remember right now on the podcast, but one of those methods goes down the chain of components, and one of them goes up the chain of components, and you always have to keep them straight in your head. I I would rather just have one global, like, event emitter that goes, that just broadcasts to listeners. And of course, you can just pull that in. So, like, I've been playing with that Radio JS, which is basically like a global event emitter, similar to how Laravel events would work. And uh, I actually saw a GitHub issue thread where even the creator of Vue expressed like some um, that he would have rather had a global event emitter. Go- looking back on things, so that is the one thing that's kind of uh, kind of quirky. And I'll probably just never use Views event methods anymore. I'll probably just always use uh, my own global event emitter because I just never have a need to only broadcast up or down. I always just want to broadcast a global event.
1: Jeffrey, any pain points for you?
2: Um, not. Honestly, I'm trying to think of something to be critical. Mostly, I just love view. Um, <laughs> just, they named it just. They named it just so you yeah, could do you that. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna am gonna edit that part out. The only
0: other criti- thing I would be critical about is the whole view um, app is defined as a single object, which can get a little cumbersome just in the sense of like managing where all your commas are and and like brackets and all that. I would have rather just said, give me a new view app and then call view dot method uh you know method name and then give it the closure and then view dot method again or view dot computed instead of having to maintain this this big JavaScript object in one file.
1: Yeah I'm a I'm a I really anytime I see anything with the large like especially hundreds of lines of code that are just many kind of properties in a JavaScript object, uh I don't like it. And um, there's one sort of trick to get around it which is called the revealing module pattern. Um, and basically what it is is wherever you would in JavaScript you'd normally pass in an object instead pass in anonymous a self-executing anonymous function so you're basically passing in the result of a closure um, and then that closure you know the anonymous function will return an object and it's a little bit clumsy at times I can uh, give a code sample later you know show notes or something but basically within that closure you can then define each of your methods individually you know in, procedurally or however you want and then you basically build a return object that just gives each key, you know, and then the, the the value is that method you just defined earlier in the closure. And then also those closures, those anonymous functions can be defined elsewhere. Um, that's just a general JavaScript thing. There might be a better view kind of way to do it. But anytime I find myself caught in that way, uh, a self-executing anonymous function gives you the space to have a little more control over how it works. And the, another thing that can do that doesn't matter with view Um, so much is you can have uh, private methods because any method that you define in that function can be used by other methods Um, but if it's not on that return object um, then it's not exposed to the public so it's essentially a private method and i'll prefix those with an underscore and it's like php4 all over again
2: right Uh, i'm thinking one thing that i think probably will be confusing for people it was for me at first this really isn't uh, a knock against view it's just more the learning curve you start out by learning, like, here's how to create a new view instance, and you bind it to an element, and then you're good to go. But, like, for most apps, kind of like Taylor noted, you're not necessarily doing that. For most apps, you'll find that you have, like, a root view model, and then you have child components be- below that. And it's kind of hard to make your way from just that that introductory hello world example up to what it would look like to construct... A full application using Vue and Browserify or Vueify, so um, that learning curve can be a little tough. But I think that's just a matter of um, documentation, you know. So that's solvable, but definitely confusing for people at first. I think
1: when I'm done with this Confomo refactor, it'll be it'll be a good example. But uh, all the work I've done right now was on the plane, and I didn't have Wi-Fi to watch all of Jeffrey's videos like I thought I was going to. So I was literally basically reverse engineering uh, a couple of Taylor's apps. So uh, I wouldn't point anybody towards it right now. Um, So, all right, that's awesome. Um, I really like the things that you were saying. That's just awesome. Um, So one more thing we're going to do, and that's Flexbox. So I feel like every person who's uh, done any front-end code recently uh, has had the opportunity to run to Flexbox and then Tweet out a thousand times, oh my gosh, Flexbox is the best thing that's ever happened. Where have you been my whole life? Flexbox uh, is
2: amazing, yeah. Flexbox is one of the I get excited by like new things that make life easier, and Flexbox is totally that if If you hate CSS and you deal with floats and everything being brittle and you adjust something by point two pixels and then suddenly your entire layout is completely broken. Flexbox solves all of that. And, and what's hard is like you've been able to use Flexbox for quite a while, actually, but the terminology can be kind of difficult, and I, I think we all, myself included, just kind of uh, complain about it. But it's like if you just shut up and figure it out, it's great. You know, take two hours, figure out what these properties mean because you have properties like um, justify content, or align items, or flex grow, or flex shrink, or flex wrap. All of the, there, you have about a dozen new properties you have to learn. They're confusing at first. If you just learn it, you will love. Trust me, you will love flexbox so much it solves everything that all right think of the typical bread and butter layout where you have to like float the sidebar to the left and float the main content area to the right it's like we use floats for that it wasn't floats weren't necessarily intended for that we just needed a way to make that work so we just started applying floats or i think of um like a media object where like a facebook status where you have an image on the left and then you have text on the right well you float the image to the left but then if the text is too long it like wraps down underneath the image and you end up with all this crap you have to deal with. With Flexbox, you add one property and you're done. It just, it displays perfectly. So in terms of layout, Flexbox has been a godsend for me. I've been using it so much with the, um, with the redesign of LayerCast. In fact, the grid for LayerCast is entirely uh, based on Flexbox. Works great. A few tweaks. You, you got to uh, change the way you think of things a little bit. But once you do, it is so good.
0: I've never used Flexbox, so I have nothing to add to this conversation. I tried to use Flexbox, and I couldn't get it to work. I'm going to have to go to Laracast or something. You're fired. Uh, flexbox.io. It's uh, j- videos from West Boss. It's a really
1: fantastic set of introductions teaching you about how to use it. It's it It's surprising, I think, maybe just having like written CSS for so long to run into something and like have to go through the learning process all over again. It's kind of like, oh my gosh, this is kind of painful. I love it. I think Flexbox is fantastic. I think Flexbox is... Uh, I, I've been frustrated with the CSS uh, spec maintainers at times over the last couple of years that just... And, you know, with spec maintainers in general, there's always a feeling of disconnect between, you know, the people who are writing the spec and the, the day-to-day users. Um, and just how well they understood the use cases that they were addressing and how well they understood the, the shortcomings of CSS with Flexbox. It's hard not to just be ecstatic if you've ever written anything with any complexity in CSS in the past. Uh, when you see what Flexbox Flexbox can do,
2: and I'm thinking like Taylor, you your first CSS was kind of using Bootstrap, right? That made it easier.
0: Yeah, that's all. That's the only CSS I've ever done still.
2: Right yeah. and so what's great about bootstrap is it takes so many of those issues and makes them non issues cuz like in terms of a grid and layout and floating things like they've already figured it out for you so you don't have to do that but before then when we were all doing this by hand it was just a complete nightmare so like like i was saying if if you calculate the width of this by one pixel off, then everything floats down and your, your layout is completely screwed up. And then back then, you were dealing with like Internet Explorer 6 and Internet Explorer 6 had these like double margin bugs where uh, if you applied a margin left of 10 pixels, Ugh. Internet Explorer 6 would just make it 20 pixels for fun. So you we had to use like these CSS hacks to target IE6 specifically and then uh, adjust them. Mar- it was kind of a nightmare. So I think... In many ways, people getting so excited about this are the ones who who had to deal with that way back then, and now it's so much better, and we can finally start using it. I think Flexbox works in uh, I'm not sure about this. I, IE eight and up, or maybe IE nine and up.
1: It's actually it's actually ten and up. Uh, it, is and, it and really? And you need to prefix in ten, but everybody should be using a prefixer. But nine is down to one point something percent global support okay great so that's that's nothing yeah unless you're working in just like massively ancient enterprise uh you're you're pretty good for nine because they i think it's 10 and up or something like that um maybe nine and up i think it's 10 have auto upgraders now so once people get to a certain stage they're now just automatically upgraded to the latest and greatest of ie
2: And I should say, if you're using Laravel and Laravel Elixir, remember, everyone, when you do like mix.sass and you type in your file name, within there, everything is automatically prefixed. So you could say um, flex, uh, flex grow, whatever, and it will automatically apply the prefixes that are necessary. So you never have to worry about that aspect. It's done behind the scenes. So I
0: assume you used Elixir on this LaraCast redesign?
2: Well, duh. Yes, <laughs> I was. That gonna, would be weird if I did. I was going
0: to say, like, did you tw- did you tweak anything in Elixir as you were doing it or anything?
2: Uh, the only thing I tweaked was, um, and this pissed some people off, but who cares? I added a a, a viewify transformer for for browserify. Uh, so view kind of going back to view, viewify is like an approach to structuring things. So, um, and I've I've been trying it out. I, I haven't made up my mind yet, but I think it's kind of cool. So let's say you have like one file for. Um, I don't know, maybe you have an alert component, like those little alerts when you get redirected and it says, thank you, in the bottom right corner. Let's call that an alert. Well, within this one file, you would have a style tag for how you style an alert component. You would then have a script tag for the script for the alert, and that would be like your view component. And then you would have a template tag for what an alert actually looks like, like a div, and then within here, you have an h2 or or whatever. You store all of that within one file, and then when you're using Browserify... Uh, it will automatically just grab everything it needs and and take care of it for you. So it's kind of an interesting approach where these things are all related. So you group them together, and um, it's kind of an interesting approach. So, anyways, uh, I added a viewify transformer to uh, Elixir Elixir's browserify method. Uh, and what's nice about that, it, there's no cost to that. Um, it will just it will exit immediately if you don't have any view files. So it's strictly a convenience. Uh, it doesn't cost anything, but for anyone who does want to experiment with that approach, uh, you just get it straight out of the box.
1: That was the thing I was a- a saying earlier that looked like React. It, it's a little bit JSS, JSX-like uh, to have all that kind of together in one place. So that view I'll remember that.
2: Yeah, because it's hard with view, like when with your templates, it's like, well, where do I put the template? You can, you can um, if you're using ECMAScript 6, you can kind of do an inline tip template within your your view instance but that can get kind of muddy or you can just like add your templates within your html and then fetch it sort of like with jquery so it always ends up being kind of weird like where do i put this uh if you're using vueify you put it right next to the script uh, so it's nice and convenient and it also helped me it's like okay if you have a, com- a javascript component and a css component they're kind of linked That was kind of an eye-opener for me. It's like, okay, I have an alert component. This is a CSS component. This is a view component. They're connected. So they should have the same name. They should be at least somewhat related to each other. So uh, it's an interesting approach. All right. Well, everybody's dreaded words.
1: Apparently, this is what I'm hearing from people, is that we're almost out of time. So one last thing to talk about. I just pulled this out of my head, so hopefully it's not terrible. If you had to live in a place that is one of these three climates... Uh, For the rest of your life, what would you choose? Uh, One is it's uh, nearly unbearably hot all the time. It's just hot and sweaty, and you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt, and you're still sweating. One is it's incredibly cold all the time. You can never leave your house without being just completely bundled up in hats and scarves and mittens. And the other one is you've got seasons, but they are just the most extreme seasons you've ever seen in your entire life. It's the hottest thing ever, and it's the coldest thing ever, and you almost never have anything in between.
0: I would just live in the Sahara Desert if I could, like... Yeah. I, I love it hot. I love it dry. There's no rain. There's no cold. There's no tornadoes. There's no hurricanes. It's just hot,
2: sandy, orange, yellow, earth tones. <laughs> I love it. I don't know. Like you, you guys were in Vegas recently. Did you guys travel around near the mountains yeah, at all? Yeah, I love it. I, I would move out there. Oh, really? I, I, I love. Vegas, but there is a feeling of everything being dead. Like when you look around, it's like nothing is green. There's nothing living. Everything just feels dead. All the better.
0: All all the less mess. (laughs) All all the less mess for me to even worry about. Because right now I've got my roof's full of dead leaves. It's about to be ice stormy winter in Arkansas because we don't get snow. We only get ice storms. And I'll have dead trees falling over on my house. Like I would rather just be out in the desert. Everything's already dead. So like the whole dying process (laughs) is over. And I can just relax.
1: What about you, Matt? I don't think I've ever disagreed with Taylor more than I do right now.
2: (laughs) Give me. We we don't disagree on things. We don't.
1: uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah, great point. Let me. uh, Here's an opinion that's tiny little different uh, here. (laughs) Uh, I want as much greenery as possible. And I have to deal with the cutting the lawn and I have to deal with the leaves and all kind of stuff. And I don't care. Uh, So the answer to my original question is it would have to be seasons for me. I live in a place where there's almost no seasons. And I grew up in Michigan and I miss autumn more than anything you can imagine. And I miss spring too. Um, we don't have them here. We have like, it's warm most of the year and it gets a little bit cooler for a couple months. Um, I, I would do the seasons just for the sake of, you know, just the, di- the the change, the switch in the middle of the year. But yeah, I couldn't do it, man. Vegas, like, I'm sorry if you live in Vegas. I don't mean to insult like a whole city, but I it's one of my least favorite places I've ever been. Uh, it's just every it. There's it's never been more clear to me in a place that there was nothing and somebody was like hey let's just kind of like build fake stuff here like and I know it's like a real real city but it just felt like hey there's this kind of like flat spot in the entirely dead desert let's ship building materials and water in here <laughs> you know like I don't know so for me the deadness of it it just felt so now I granted Hoover Dam was beautiful the drive it there was beautiful I would never want to live
0: there though I kind of want to live in Phoenix. When I say move to, when I say move there, I really mean move to a similar client or climate. So right. I think I would pick um, like Phoenix or or something like that. Now I would love that, Jeffrey.
2: Uh, I'm with Matt. I'm going to do both. You know, if it's going to be bad, I might as well at least get some variety out of the deal. Yeah, exactly. I think, and besides, Taylor's cheating. Vegas is. Is hot, but it's not the hot that Matt's talking about. We're talking about like excruciating heat where That's you can't true. go yeah. out without needing water at all times. Where
0: well, you die. I already live there, so <laughs> I mean, we're just going to extend that out a few more months because man, I,
2: where you live
1: does not sound that great. Ice storms and excruciating, dude. Heat?
0: I kid you not, three years ago when I was living in Fort Smith, it was 117 degrees, it was the hottest place in the whole United States. Oh, gosh.
2: Uh-uh. Yeah, I, I thought you, where I lived you literally
0: cannot even walk outside to your car, get something and come back without basically needing to shower. But I, I would still take that year round versus like seasons and cold. <laughs> that sounds so irrational. But...
1: <laughs> no, I mean, to each his own. Like, I, I think I would I if I had to pick a hot or versus a cold, I think I'd probably pick hot just for the sake of being able to go outside and not be bundled. But I wouldn't want to make that choice because like I miss the chance to like actually, you know. For example, wear clothing at times or like, you know, you know, like sit around a fire or all these things like you just when you're hot all the time, you just can't do it. Like I, I dude, when I moved to Florida, I think one of the most impactful things was it's sunny all the time. And I realized that like my my emotional clock relied on like gray, dreary days to be your like <laughs> introspective, mellow moments. And I didn't have any. And I like was feeling this like I was like, it's the reverse of seasonal affective disorder. Like I needed my little bit of depression from the gray, rainy days and didn't get it. All right. Uh, well, it's just awesome. The things you guys are saying. Um, it's been a total pleasure talking with you as always. And uh, until next time, uh, take care.